0: everyone and happy halloween this is kayla with a bad sound quality because i am currently editing this episode i just wanted to provide a content warning we do discuss suicide and implied incest so if any of this makes you feel uncomfortable please feel free to skip this episode well um have a wonderful spooky season and if you want to continue listening to the episode we hope you enjoy it it's it's a weird one Welcome to Darkly Lit, where we take a drive on a cold, Halloween night to figure out what the fuck it is we just read. I'm your host, (laughs) Kayla King. I'm joined by uh, uh, my good friend, uh, Sade.
1: Hello, I'm Sade. I didn't finish reading.
0: (laughs) And my husband, David.
1: Corn,
2: corn, corn.
0: So this Darkly Lit is going to be a bit different. Um... It's uh, going to be a
1: first for us it's, it's in different ways.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, it's Halloween. It's so if it, if there's it's any- our Halloween
2: episode, except it might not. It's releasing on the thirteenth. So,
1: but it's
0: October thirteenth. That is a it
1: a trick? Is it a treat? We don't know. But let's find out at yeah. the same <laughs> time.
0: <laughs> um. So we just okay. Some of us. Uh, our book that we are discussing is Demon Theory by Stephen Graham Jones and off the bat we should first say there are no questions for this. We didn't receive any and there's a good reason why. We came to discover that you cannot purchase a physical copy of this book anywhere. You can only get the ebook or an audiobook. Um they are I mean they they were fairly cheap I, from what I saw it was only 5 bucks but I know a lot of people are much more comfortable with a physical copy. And another tricky thing about this book too is it's less of a book and more of a literary treatment. Actually David you you want to give the summary?
2: I'll do the best I can. <laughs> so what this is is a trilogy, a hypothetical trilogy of horror movies. Um with the first one being set on Halloween night at the house of a med student named Hale or his, his, his mother's house. He and a bunch of his med student friends go out to this house when on what seems like a pretty Monday, well, a pretty simple kind of, uh, late night call, mm-hmm. but find that weird stuff starts happening once they get there, specifically involving Hale's past, uh, which includes a, uh, an accident that rendered his sister comatose. Um, a very murderous dad in a gargoyle costume or a gargoyle mask that was taken from one of the other people um and demons literal fucking demons that come in out of nowhere um the first one has i mean we're gonna go full spoilers here right
0: yeah full spoilers yeah i'll just say the
2: first one ends with an owl creek bridge kind of scenario where you wonder if the whole thing was all just the dying delusions of a of a kid who's hanging himself, committing suicide. Uh, the second one is set in a hospital, the follow-up, and has a lot of the same characters who, as the story progresses, slowly remember the events of the first movie, even though they're all alive. Many of them died in that movie. And then the hospital gets overrun by um, a bunch of uh, coma patients who are slowly turning into demons. It's, uh, the reason I'm having such a hard time summarizing this is I still don't really know what the hell happened in a lot of cases. Um, and there's some more reveals that happened there. It feels like a horror sequel in that the first one, strange as it would be, didn't seem like it left a lot of room for a sequel, but a sequel was made anyway.
0: Um,
2: which, you know,
0: that happens. credit where credit's
2: do. uh, in that essence. And then the third movie is back to the cabin again, the now three years after the events of the second one. And, uh, we get even more reveals and a final conclusion about um about Hale, about Hale's family, and maybe about the weirdness of this demon cycle they're all caught in. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um this is gonna be a weird one to talk about.
0: Now um Sade, you chose to stop.
1: I did. I got I was somewhere in the middle of the second part um and I was so I was listening to the audiobook because uh, I, I do a lot of work with my hands. And so audiobooks have just been the easiest way for me to read our, our selected mm-hmm. books this year and also complete other things that I work on. And I kept, I think, I don't know like what it was exactly that made me really want to stop. Okay, well, I have a good idea. But there are like, different factors. And one I think definitely was the format that the story is presented in. Um, like everything is Mm -hmm. is is much more described in like and then we pan this and it's kind of like this scene from that and that didn't so much bother me because I have a very visual way of thinking I have a overactive imagination so like picturing the book I could follow it that way but in the way that the characters I think were described I couldn't form any attachment to any of the characters and if I can't latch on to at least a single character, then I have little to no interest in the narrative plot, usually. Um, So I would get to points where the audio was going and I was working on something. And normally I'm very good at like listening and paying attention while I work. But I would just like realize, oh, I did not grasp what just happened. And I don't care enough to want to go back. (laughs) And so I was like, I'm not getting anything out of this. I'm going to stop and just be like, I stopped, and I'll talk about why, and maybe you guys can explain to me shit that I wasn't understanding or grasping or not or failing to grasp, so.
0: I think this is kind of an important lesson, is that if you're reading a book and it's not working and you're not enjoying it, you're allowed to put it down. Like, you should not have to force yourself to get through a book unless
2: it's a homework assignment well
0: even (laughs) even then okay yes
2: (laughs) i just think about all the stuff i had to read in college
0: yeah but we're okay say it's not getting graded on this no this is a discussion
2: no i'm just i'm splitting hairs
0: (laughs) was there a spark notes version i should have gotten to finish There is. i wish
2: there was because it would help me make sense of some of the things that i'm barely wrapping my head around we
0: looked through reviews of this we try to look up um if what people have said there is not much it's just the same kind of thing and the one the one consistent thing that i've read in reviews is it's always compared to house of leaves because of how unusual the style is Hmm. and it's true so it's written like a literary treatment which is like you said that's not an abnormal thing i've used to read scripts, um, not I don't want to say for a living, but I did get paid to read scripts. And this is this sort of style came in quite a bit. But it's a weird mix between a literary treatment which would go a lot more in detail. Like scripts tend to go a lot more in detail and will tell you immediately what they mean. Whereas this is also a mix between a book where the book wants to give you only enough details to keep you guessing, but that's tricky when your brain is trying to read it like a script slash literary treatment. And they're like, "But what's happening? Why are they saying this? Why is this?
2: Why aren't they? Or more, more specifically for me, it was why aren't they saying these things? Yeah. Why aren't we getting more of an explanation? Why aren't we getting? And I was like, Am I just missing something? Am I dense? But I'd go back. and am like, it's, I'm not having a hard time visualizing things, but sometimes I am because the language is so interesting and like while it does paint a really interesting visual picture and i can see it there's other times i i lose the thread i lose what's Mm -hmm. going on and i have to backtrack in order to do it. i think the reason i like the second one uh the second one stuck out to me the most is because it has the most consistent sense of space yeah and i'm not as confused about what's happening in the moment
0: so another thing too is um the way David and I read this because I tried to read it on my own and it was tricky, and then Dave and I tried to read it, by, listen to it by audiobook, and then that was hard too because we we're like, wait, stop, and we had to rewind, and it's like, why don't we just read it to each other? And that's how we got through it. Huh? We literally like would switch off reading it to each other, and then we would pause to be like, wait, what just happened?
2: And, and then, then I would scroll back and we would talk about it for a second and then
0: And then basically try to come here like, okay, do you understand what's going on? Do you do you get what this is? Um
2: oftentimes it was like, no, sometimes it was like, oh yeah, okay, we there was a bit there. And then it would be like, but we you really have to be paying attention. And mm. then it's like, hopefully there's be some payoff to something we don't understand a little later. And oftentimes there was not. It would just be left vague and weird.
0: And another thing about this too is i will give stephen graham jones this he is incredibly horror movie savvy it's kind of insane so there is a lot of pop culture references throughout this which
1: i had mixed feelings about that where it was like if it was like Used in the narrative to kind of describe the feel of a scene, I was like, okay, I appreciate that. Like, that makes me visualize this better. But when it was like the characters describing, like, using that knowledge to kind of be like, well, this is what's probably going to happen next, or like, you know, that you're the final go- girl or something, then it got kind of like annoying. Yeah,
0: I'm with you there. And I, I mean, when I was a teenager, I was like this because like, I, I am a big pop culture nerd and I would be make references all the time just to because I was like that. And I realized that's a very annoying trait to do. So I try to limit myself on that where the characters are very much like this. I honestly, I feel like the dialogue in the first part, um, uh, the first technical movie is terrible. It is like, no, who talks like this? Like, they're way too witty, way too on the beat. Like, I don't believe these people.
2: It has that, like, movie-speak quality to it, where mm. you're just like, what? <sighs> ah! And then, you know, that's my reaction. This, <laughs> it, it felt it like it flowed better in the second one, though. And I probably, maybe because there's more characters, or maybe because they're actually stopping to try and figure out what's going on instead of talking in quippy... We're smart and genre savvy.
0: Well, there's another thing, too. It's much more action-packed, and that was the intention. So, again, Stephen Graham Jones knows his horror. And usually with the sequels to a horror movie, they tend to be the more action-packed. They tend to have um, a little more gore, more, like...
2: Higher, uh, a bigger special effects budget.
0: Exactly. And this is, this, um, the sequel feels like that. It actually feels like they just got a bigger budget and they're like, let's add in the gore. Let's add in more people. Let's make this more exciting. Let's make it aliens to alien. Mm -hmm. So I gotta give him props. He knew what he was doing with that.
2: Well, the other thing too is what I appreciate is um, the first Demon Theory, because it's this three movie trilogy. First Demon Theory by itself could be a self-contained package. Does it leave some stuff hanging? Yeah, but... It's a Jacob's Ladder scenario. Yeah. You're just, the way it's self-contained feels like it's, it's a bizarre Jacob's Ladder thing where you're not quite sure exactly what happened, but you can put a lot of it together. Um, it's an Owl Creek Bridge scenario, and Owl Creek does get brought up a fair amount in here uh, at times. But then, because the idea is that the sequel is building off the success of the original, but has to work with weird threads that the other one left off, in order to force a story, mm-hmm. you get a, a decent, cohesive story with some weird beats, but and it feels like someone was was forced to write a sequel when there was meant to be a self contained thing, and that's brilliant to me because that was intentional. Like you know that, like it feels like Stephen Graham Jones came here is like, well, this is what would happen. Mm-hmm. Like this is the Halloween two. We didn't need a Halloween two, but we got one, and then it, in order to make it still work, it has to add things that weren't important in the original like oh lori strode being michael's sister and that's the reason yeah. you didn't need that in the first one you didn't need a sequel but since you got a sequel they're going to take little threads that were in the original and expand the plot and that was interesting like i i actually really appreciated that between the first and the second ones and i think it's another reason the second one appealed to me as a sign of how the writer understands the genre he's writing in so uh the third one is a cut and dry like third in a trilogy yeah so it feels good it's, it's the return of the jedi the- it goes back to the same location it goes and tries to tie up some loose ends but it doesn't also doesn't really tie up some loose ends while still leaving things very weird and cryptic so say, and we'll you- talk
1: about
0: that you want to know what it is you want to know what this whole bullshit thing is
1: yes please i was gonna say what what did i miss I was going to ask you guys, what did I miss in that third part? Like, should I have kept reading?
2: I think if you're not trying to rush it like we were,
0: yeah.
1: I
2: think it is worth reading the whole trilogy. because. It, but at the same time, because we were rushing it, I got frustrated because it was going on for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, on a reread, I might be able to put it together better. But um, the third part has the majority of the characters from that survived the second one realizing that they need to go back to the house to put an end to the quote-unquote cycle, right?
0: Right, because they're having memories of both the first movie and the second movie, and they're like, why is this happening? This
2: never happened, but it also did. And meanwhile, like, Hale shouldn't exist where he exists, because it's like the second one sets up like, oh, okay, the reason in the first one all these characters showed up, these are the the paramedics that are taking Hale, the dying Hale, to the hospital. Yes. Or whatever.
0: In the first movie, Hale's in his early 20s, but then it it gets revealed that he tried to kill himself at the age of 14. And then at the end, it's revealed this is all an Owl Creek Bridge situation, as we mentioned before, or Jacob's Ladder, where Hale is dead. Hale is dead or dying, and he's imagining all this as 14-year-old him is...
2: Being cut down from the noose. Yes. Or it's implied that he died and this is all his, like purgatory it's interesting
0: and then the sequel is he's no he's still alive but in a coma and it's a couple years later um and so he's like 16 years old by that point or 17 in a coma and then no no no, it's 16 that's right two years pass. there's a whole time loop and then in the third one we see hale again but as a 28 year old and it's like what the heck and they at least the characters point this out it's like wait he, well, last time we saw him, he was 16. He should only be... And
2: not to mention 16, but at the very end of the movie, literally carried off by one of the demons. Yes. His, he, he he should be dead. <laughs> he, he falls off the roof of the hospital and is dead, and one of the demons carries off his body.
1: Wait, so he like hits the ground and is dead and then is carried off by one of
2: the demons? Yeah, well, at least I think he is. Like, Okay, so the other thing that happens in the second one is Jenny turns into a demon. She's incubating. It's a demon that is either taking on Jenny's form or was using Jenny the idea of Jenny as a vessel and then in a weird shift uh, at you know Jenny as she's like feeding on people at the hospital she is growing up she goes from that to an adolescent to an adult when she's an adult she's TJ from the first movie
0: welcome to crazy hell
2: yeah so TJ was apparently Older. older Jenny the entire time, which is weird. Um,
1: see, I'm like, okay, wait, wait, wait. Who the fuck was TJ in the first part?
0: TJ was the intern that we first see in the beginning of the movie, but then she ends up staying. She doesn't join them on the journey.
1: Okay, that's why I don't remember them.
2: Yeah, she's left yes. behind at the hospital.
1: Okay. Jenny was Hale's younger sister who, in the first part, uh, loses the ability to use her legs.
0: Yeah. Right. And Hale blames himself because they were riding on a three-wheeler that uh, Hale was riding, and Jenny's foot gets caught. when, And that's how she loses her ability to walk. And then, a couple of years later, dies. Which is why Hale tried to kill himself. Yes. Yeah.
2: And then we find out that Hale's dad apparently tried to bury Jenny in the basement for reasons we don't quite understand.
1: To spare his mom seeing her like that or something like that. Well, or not. (laughs)
2: Well, that's where things get weird. So the third one, the second one definitely leaves questions for the third one. But basically, by the end of the thing, Jenny slash TJ becomes a full fledged demon. Okay. And on the roof, in a final showdown between her. And Nona, who, you know, is the custodian, is now sort of the ringleader of this whole I remember situation. Hale finally comes out of his coma, sees this whole situation, and then sort of in a bid to make it all end, throws himself off the roof. Uh, Jenny jumps off after him, and they both hit the ground together, and then a demon carries them off.
1: Both of them off. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hmm.
2: Another signif- Some si- other significant things happen. Uh, Virginia dies again, and she's not back in the third one. Uh, con loses his hand so he has a prosthetic in the third one
0: adding to that whole humor of the first movie where
2: he had the two prosthetics
0: yeah uh... they even
2: go to the same fucking convenience store from the first one and the clerk even does the whole fucking halloween line again um
0: the third movie is by the way set on halloween night
2: yeah okay in the third one nona's been in a mental institution for three years she stages an escape and then Kidnap sari who was not in the second one at all but he's like oh, we need to find her because we need to get everybody back to the house so we can end the cycle and nona just seems to be the ringleader in this whole situation they find they pick up the bum who was near the phone and shave him and it's hail <laughs>
0: how we have no idea
2: now, apparently they don't either they're trapped in a, in a cycle and they're like okay there's some sort of gate universal gate that's open and the demons are using it and then the third one continues to add nonsense which is introducing a weird like supernatural pseudoscience plot with Sari's dad was like a physician who was experimenting with a a serum that could like heal people but also like prolong life but it also exacerbated additional conditions and then like Hale's dad was one of the people who survived the trial which is why he can't die like that's that's a thing that's a thread that gets introduced that we're not sure about turns out and then it turns out that Egan from the first movie was Sari's dad.
0: <laughs> yeah. It, this it, fucking it, it goes
2: off the goddamn rails. But the weirdest okay, but here's here's the the last kicker. By the end of it, oh god by the end of it, almost everybody's been killed off once again, and Hale is trying to get Nona out of there on the three-wheeler. And you find out the reason Stan has been killing people is he's trying to end this cycle and he, he wants the demons to take him. He wants to die because he can't mm-hmm. die. But every time he says, take me, and tries to get the demons to take him, they either throw him off or fly away from him.
1: Mm-hmm. And then for, for listeners, Stan is Hale's father.
0: Yes, yeah. Stan is Hale's father. The, Who
1: can't die. Because of the weird treatment. Yeah, yeah okay. he's a zombie.
0: I feel like any listener listening to this is like, what the fuck is Yeah, this? No, your reaction <laughs> is just like ours. So, oh my
2: god. Do you want to talk about what the final twist is? Oh,
0: motherfucker, this is so... Please.
2: I, for... I will say one of the weird things is that Egan takes a syringe, and injects Anona with corn fluid from those corn cans, and it's like implied that it's actually the fluid that was keeping uh, Stan
0: alive. Doesn't matter. But it
2: doesn't matter because the twist renders it all moot, in my opinion. So, we
0: discover, yeah, it does. The whole thing is all moot because of this. So, we discover, first off, that um, the person who killed Jenny is actually Hale's mother. Hale's mother choked jenny to death because she couldn't take the pain of her daughter being crippled yeah but then it turns out this whole scenario this everything that's happened is all in hale's mother's head because hale's mother is actually nona the fuck yes i'm so angry (laughs)
2: i know right so yeah yeah, apparently nona is this whole thing is nona explaining all this in the hospital in the mental hospital to the this doctor
0: she is telling her delusions this whole trilogy which is just all this woman's delusions
2: after she killed her family Yes. She she stabbed Stan to death with a crucifix. She throttled Jenny to death and you know this because eventually you see that there was you know how she was washing the dishes in those flashbacks when uh-huh. uh you know Stan finds Jenny Jenny dead. Uh yeah, there's 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 like dish soap on Jenny's collar and her she looks like she's been like choked to death. And then Nona reenacting a bunch of this, goes down, finds that Hale, adult, maybe even adult Hale, but you don't see his face, has repeated the thing and tried to hang him, hang himself. But instead of lifting him up this time, she pulls him down so that kills him, finishes him off. And then the camera pans around and you realize Nona is, is, is Hale's mother. You see the whole family dead and then it cuts to the actress who played Hale's older mother now in this hospital explaining all these delusions to the doctor. And the last freaking line of the movie is a, is a a smash cut back to the house from the first movie with all of them sitting in the living room and Hale making the quote, you know, my dad has an extensive movie collection, which then explains all the movie quotes and, and genre savvy nonsense we've been dealing with this whole time.
0: By the way, (laughs) uh, let's not forget Nona in the first movie was sleeping with Hale. Like, they were dating!
2: It was a first date in the first
0: movie.
1: But it was implied that they 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 had something of a building relationship prior to this first date. Thinking about it as a disconnected
2: trilogy where they had to fit pieces together in order to make it work, because that was the, like, idea. The people writing the first movie, hypothetically, would not know that there was going to be this twist at the end with Nona being Hale's mother the whole time. So...
0: See, that's another brilliance behind it. You could tell that he's (laughs) like, well i'll write this first thing and then how would someone be like oh this movie did well how could i make a sequel to this uh I'd make it about this they'll probably want the actors back or these characters back so let's bring the characters back and then it'll be this whole convoluted plot and that's why a lot of people compare it to um house of leaves because um uh, i think eventually i think we'll get to house of leaves but that that's going to be a one of those like we will discuss that over the course of like a few months because it's a very long book in the end
2: i did enjoy the whole thing but the ending was such a a frustrating and it was all a dream curveball but was it really like it's it it does what the first one did but even more convoluted like just i have to walk away uh
1: (laughs) I mean, if you're looking at it from the from the perspective that, that it was written to be the way a, a horror genre s- movie series would end up progressing, then it all works, because, yeah, that shit would happen.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And if you think of it like that, I'm like, okay, that's kind of brilliant. But at the same time, what the fuck?
1: Sounds like a crazy journey to go on. And I'm a little sad that I jumped ship, um, but I'm also at peace with it. <laughs> uh I do wanna read something else by Jones that is more the the more typical like written narrative, like a more novelized, novel style narrative.
0: I'm with you too. There's some novels he's actually written that are general novels that sound very interesting like uh, he has one about final girls and another about um i
1: think the, another one that came out this year that i want to read was the only uh the only good indians
0: yeah i that sounded very interesting as well i think the reason i thought oh let's do demon theory
1: was because it took place on halloween
0: it took place on halloween and i'm like oh it's a literary treatment too and usually literary treatments tend to be much more simpler than this. They tend to be much more quicker. And I'm thinking, well, if it's based off a movie, like, if this is probably would be two hours. I did not realize going into it, it would be a trilogy. (laughs) That's not described in any description I found. And I didn't want to read reviews because I don't want to be spoiled by anything. But the only way you could figure this out is if you read the reviews. Like, oh yeah, it's a trilogy of stories. I'm like, what?
1: See, the audiobook tells you that at the beginning, but it, it calls it Teeming Theory 16. So I was just like really confused. It's like I enjoyed
2: the, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the experience. I kind of had to let go that maybe it doesn't, didn't end in a way that I was necessarily satisfied with. But then again, it didn't, I didn't necessarily expect it to either. Like it's fine. It's interesting. I enjoyed the experience, but man, was it a tough read. Yeah. It's a really tough read. And yeah, the characters, I understand where you're coming from, Sade, about the characters, because they're all pretty two-dimensional.
0: They're Until... They're, well... Khan gets more likable. Khan gets more likable as you continue on. Yeah. And becomes, like, the funniest character. I actually also really like the character of Rush as well in the sequel, who is the, uh, uh, who is the cancer patient who it's like he knows he's dying. So he's like, no, oh, what do I care in making, making it silly? But also dealing with the fact that he has a younger brother that he communicates with and is lying to him because he's like, I don't want to tell him and break his heart. And yeah,
2: that was, that was, I, I Rush was great.
0: hmm Like, that's actually very interesting. That, that's a very likable character. I hated Siri. Siri was so bland of a character.
2: She didn't have much going for her. She
0: didn't. I'm trying to go through it. Virginia... Again, not much of a character either. Uh, Hale? Hale. Hale's... Whatever. Hale, Hale is, pro- has, is basically a protagonist. Mm-hmm. That's really what he is. Nona's uh, character is interesting. She's a protagonist, but she's a active protagonist for the most yeah. part. So I give her props for that. Like, I'm going through like the characters in my head. Because you're right. The first movie doesn't really paint them in a good picture it was really
1: hard to like differentiate the characters to like uh I don't know when we got to the second part and they're introducing new characters as well and I'm just like wait are we talking about this character this character like who was this character like I could not grasp onto anyone it's hard. No, it,
0: because they're all witty. They all talk in film references. And they're all kind of snarky as well. So it's kind of hard to, first of all, split them apart. But at the same time, it, it's it's hard. It's, it's tricky. It, in one sense, it makes sense for the horror genre. Because a lot of horror films are like this. The Usually for the most part, the characters are kind of bland. Because they're like, well, they're going to die anyway, so... Can you remember a single character from like Jason, or not Jason? I'm sorry. It's Friday the Thirteenth, or Sleepaway Camp, or
2: Sleepaway count I, Camp. I can't. I can, but not. But that's because they.
0: Okay. Besides uh, the main character.
2: Oh, there was Ricky.
0: Okay. But that's but, because he
2: got to yell some very creative swears at people who threatened. Um, people who threatened Angela.
0: But like the people who died too, just like. Uh, I'm trying to think. I don't
2: remember their names. I just remember, oh, there was the pervert cook. There was the, uh, there was some other douchey kids. What about
0: Halloween other than Laurie? Do you remember any of the characters' names from Halloween? No. Yeah, for the most part, because it's like they're typical horror movie characters. They are snarky. They're kind of horny. They're usually teenagers, so it's kind of interesting that they uh, decided for the first one to cast him as college students but close up. it works i mean college students are still like
2: yeah drinking
0: and all that well but they're the more- movie
2: tries hard in a weird way to make them kind of a breakfast club of horror yeah and then like
0: mm. only
2: a couple of the characters really stand out i don't know if there's much more to be said honestly the interesting stuff with the demons was like there was some there's a lot of mythology oh. and psychology thrown in. What
0: do you think of the demon designs cuz they describe them like gargoyles for the most part. I mean I kind of liked that aspect of like a, a
1: gargoyle looking like demon cuz normally like compared to like other demons that we usually see in like other cause I can't really think of any other like uh gargoyle looking like demons In, like, a a horror series?
0: Yeah, neither can I. Oh, man. Well, a lot of the books we're reading right now tend to be modern because, as sad as this is, um, authors of color started getting more recognition within the past, like, 20 years. Yeah.
2: Or at least in, I mean, particularly in the horror genre,
0: I guess? In terms of horror genre, yes. Because usually the, the most famous... Horror authors tend to be basically white guys, like Stephen King, Clyde Barker, H.P. Lovecraft, like Edgar Allan Poe. I mean, Bram
1: Stoker. (laughs) Well, I mean, we can say that about a whole lot of things, that it was mostly dominated by all the white guys. But I mean, okay, for even though I didn't finish reading, I don't, regret the experience and from what you guys have shared I am like fascinated by some of like the the narrative choices and like just it it sounds like a crazy experience and I I wish I had the time to like kind of really dive into it because I think I would have appreciated more if it wasn't like oh we're reading this on that deadline and there's like a hundred other things that that our minds are on too because it does have some of those elements that are kind of interesting like the the gargoyle demons that we were mentioning I think that's a cool visual in my head the like (laughs) cream corn is the only thing in the house was kind of funny Um, and then how they I guess brought that back later, and like that's how Stan was staying alive somehow. I don't know; like yeah, it, it's crazy, it's... but I kind of love that. The, the
0: whole thing is a trip, I think, it, and I think it's meant to be a trip. <laughs> so I, I've read somewhere like some books are meant to be basically devoured, and then some are meant to be chewed slowly, slowly and dissected, and maybe thought over. This is definitely one of those books that needs to be read slowly. You gotta take your time with it. You gotta, like, pause and think about it. It's, and honestly, it's the same with um, House of Leaves. You you really do have to stop and be like, okay, what the fuck is going on here? Because it is, uh, it is trippy. It is trying to be genre savvy. And uh, another thing too, and this can be either really annoying or really helpful. Uh, every pop culture reference has a footnote That tells you where that pop cultural reference comes from, which occasionally can be helpful because there's there were times I'm like, wait, what is this a reference to? And I look and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. But there are so many like I think at that there by the time we were getting near the end, there's like 400 footnotes. And that's insane. (laughs) Damn.
1: Would you guys recommend this to anybody?
0: Yes and no. I think uh, there's a few people I could think that might get some enjoyment out of this. I think the people that would enjoy it the most are genre-savvy individuals, like horror genre-savvy individuals, and hardcore readers. It's a very niche. It's very niche, I must say.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say that too. What, What exactly that niche is, I don't know. It's very far from, I think, where I normally like to dive. But
0: But honestly, I think if you enjoyed House of Leaves, I think you might enjoy this again. Know what you're getting
2: into first.
0: We definitely
1: went into this one a little bit blind and that just happens sometimes. And
0: Well, here's the difficult part. Like I was trying to read other summaries to see like, oh, what is this? And they said, it's a literary treatment. And I'm like, oh, okay. And they gave the same summary everywhere they went. Like, and everywhere it said, it's like, this is definitely a horror book. And I'm like, Great. It's Halloween night, they're going to a house, Weird and weird stuff starts happening. I'm like, great, I know what to expect. I didn't, but nothing, nothing prepared me for this. The only way you could figure this out is if you read the reviews. And I don't know how, like, how do you tell people, hey, read the reviews before you do this. Like, go into this, because it's a trip.
2: (laughs) I, you know, I really don't have that much to add. I'm sitting here kind of just taking it all in and i just honestly think that this might be as good a time as any to just say hey it is what you make it
1: (laughs) some some things like some stories some books you just kind of take it for what it is and there's no really no really like dissecting it or understanding it or like fully like explaining it and maybe that's why the uh the summaries for this book are all pretty just like oh it's a it's a literary treatment, and, and I don't really know what else to say about it because kind of it's kind of just is what it is <laughs> you'll either enjoy it and like enjoy yeah. trying to pick it apart or you just again take it as it is and like well that was an experience I'm gonna go eat some cream corn now
2: mm-hmm. not <laughs> yeah. too much the Garmin will get you good yeah.
0: the only thing I wish for I wish there was physical book tre- books of this because I think it would be better read as a physical book. In all, yeah. Honesty.
2: You, you know, you know what else is you know what else too. I actually do want to see this as a movie now.
1: Yeah, I feel like I I would have really enjoyed this as a film versus I think I chose the the most difficult way to to approach a story as an audio uh, audio ebook yeah audible, mm-hmm. audible. <laughs> my brain audible. Went, oh. but yeah i think this would have been a fun series visually
0: oh i would watch this trilogy this trilogy sounds fascinating to me and i can i could see a lot of horror fans getting into this mm-hmm. um because that was one hell of a wild ride
2: happy halloween everybody
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh we're our next um fucking halloween fucking halloween do we okay before i say what our next book is does anybody want to do, do we have any final thoughts or is this is this a good place i think this is a good spot to wrap it up
2: yeah exactly <laughs> okay
0: so to make it simpler for everybody and more accessible and because we need this we've decided we're going to read a web comic by a uh, south korean artist and writer uh, and this is actually kind of a famous webcomic, I've come to realize. It's called Bong Chiang Dong Ghost and by Horang. I've heard good things about this. I heard short. And honestly, that's enough for me. Well, it sounds good. And it is a complete webcomic, and you can find it online. We will provide a link to yep. the webcomic uh, in our show notes. In our show notes. Fantastic. And we'll probably tweet it out at Darkly Lit Pod on Twitter. Yes, we will absolutely do that. Other than this for the Halloween season, uh, we've got a bunch of other stuff going on, like the Boo Olympics.
1: Woo! We're gonna take you down. So we have the we have two contests right now for to finish up the Boo Olympics. We have a, a creepy cooking staff writing contest uh, that is open to uh, listeners from all of Creative Horror, it, like. UCA fans, Nightmare fans, Witching our fans, Darkly Lit fans. If you like writing stories, go check out the details for the story writing contest. There are prompts based off the, the past Creeping Cooking Staff episodes. Details are at creativehorror.com. And then we also have a costume contest that I am a little more excited for because I love costumes. Uh, (laughs) and that is also open to everyone uh ourselves will also be competing so essentially there's there's two parts to the costume contest uh anyone who any listeners who enter who submit a photo of their costume are competing against other listeners and then the creative horror staff that are entering are competing amongst the staff um and so that'll be fun uh, Alan and I are team Best Fiends and our costumes are coming along great and we're ready to take down you guys which I think is just I think it's just you guys and then Ravel and Henry who are competing.
2: <laughs> yes. We'll see about that.
1: We'll see
0: what we'll see who wins in the yes. end <laughs>
1: uh, and then we do have a live stream on October 30th.
0: Yeah I believe that's decided on date. Yes. Uh, <laughs> more details to come.
2: That should also be the release date of this year's anu- uh, annual Midnight Marinera revival. Wow. So, keep an ear open for that one.
1: Lots of good um, stuff for Halloween. Make the most out of this month that is going by too fast.
0: Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, also David has brought back the Fog Report too. So, um, if you enjoy reading about haunts, uh, go the few
2: haunts that actually exist in this in this current year and
0: these these covid safe
1: haunts
2: these haunt alter these haunt alternatives yes. and in some cases uh unique different immersive experiences as a result of the challenges posed by
1: you guys should uh, do a fog report on the taste of fo- uh taste of art taste of halloween taste of Halloween. that is actually the next one that you're
2: probably going to see honestly do yeah, it i fully in- totally intend to write about it <laughs>
0: I'd love to see that. And there will be pictures, I will assure you. Oh
2: yeah. You can't stop me from taking pictures at this thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Until then, uh okay,
2: let's let's blow out the candles.
0: Happy Halloween and again, what the fuck?
2: <laughs> <laughs> the candles are all we have lit in the fireplace though. Just remember, we're safe inside.
0: What the fuck?
2: Good evening, intrepid listeners. This is the Pasta Shade, the host of Midnight Marinara, and this podcast is part of CreativeHorror.com, a network of podcasts and creators working together to build a constructive community of horror fans. For more content like this, visit us at (laughs) CreativeHorror.com.